You got it? I got it. Okay. Welcome to Shabbatify. All right, Basi, will you welcome us in? Shalom, yes, for sure. Shalom Aleichem, Mahalachem Yashamim, Mahalachem Elyon, Oymi Okay, Romumu Brooklyn, let's get you straight to the music. This is friend of the podcast, Rabbi Miriam Margles. Hallelujah.
Well, it's been some week, Basia. Really intense, really intense. My son actually broke his arm and we were in the taxi on the way to the hospital when we started getting all the news and had conversations with taxi drivers and the people in the um, ER and the emergency room. We were all having conversations like, was this surprising? Is this surprising at all? And in the context of the last four years, and we had such rich conversations. And even at the end, Sajo was trying to distill the message. He's like, the police have to come and put him in jail. Well, if you're ever listening to this at any other time for this week, so this one's for posterity. This week was the week that insurrectionists tried to take over the Capitol building. In fact, successfully invading it. A woman lost her life. A Capitol police officer lost his life. Um, This was the lowest moment of a rapidly descending four years of the Trump presidency. And I think we're just all in shock. The fact that your four-year-old has to distill the essence uh, of what that man has done to his country and and now his followers is, is shocking. Horrible, horrible. And I think as as lit- liturgists, as clergy, we are like, you know, we are poised to really kind of intersect the things that we do in the sanctuary with, with um, a real sense of purpose. Um, I think right now what's coming to me are the words of um, Abraham Joshua Heschel. He said, prayer is meaningless unless it is subversive, unless it seeks to overthrow and to ruin the pyramids of callousness, hatred, opportunism, falsehoods. The liturgical movement must become a revolutionary movement. Look, it may seem a little strange to people that in the midst of everything that's happened, that we're beginning this Shabbatify with prayer. But I mean, I think for people like me and for people like Basia, it's where we reach where we have no, when we have nowhere else to reach. And it's where we go when we don't know where to go. The first thing is to reach inside and to connect deeply and to figure out a way in which to lift ourselves up above this moment to some kind of a future that's better than this one. And I think that's what's happening in this week's Parsha too. I think so. I mean, I think that's the way the Parsha begins, right? Moshe is in a really tough spot. We'll talk about that tough spot in a minute or two. But the first thing that God does is say, I was the God of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, your fathers, which is the language that we have in the Amidah. Exactly. We do it every day, every prayer service. So speaking of the Amidah, let's play a little music. This is We Rise by Bati Levine.
That is such a good track and it's so inspiring and it's so empowering. And it's, it just reminds me of something a little um, like funny, which is that I think in, 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 in cantorial school, rabbinical school, I think you spend about like two or three years out of the four or five years um, learning how to say, and now let's rise. <laughs> I invite you to rise. True. <laughs> you may rise. <laughs> and I was like, true. oh my God, there's no, like, if that's how you, we have to say it. That's we rise. Yeah. We rise. We say every time we have to stand up. This is like such a different way of inviting. Yeah, we are like spiritually rise, not just sort of like lamely get out of our seats. It was the perfect track to follow up this segment, which I didn't realize you were going to gloat about in, while we were off the air. But uh, nonetheless, I, I do give it to you. That was an incredible call. <laughs> Actually, we have the pleasure of having Bati Levine on a little later in the show. Um, it's really cool. She's going to be with us. I'm so excited. Yeah. I think the Parsha should have started a few lines earlier. Um, good idea, I think, but maybe you should explain. Well, because it gives no context to what's happening. We just start with God appearing. And actually, God does that a lot in the Torah. There's a lot of God showing up. But why does it matter here? And if you look a few lines earlier in chapter 5 of Exodus, what you see is this massive, massive failure. Basically, Moshe's gone to Pharaoh. Pharaoh has said, I've never heard of this God that you're talking about. And by the way, for the arrogance, the uppityness of you people coming to talk to me about it, let me actually double your workload and take away all of the materials that I used to give you to help you out before. And so what you get is a people, Israel, who say to Moshe, this God that you're talking about, Asher hivashtem et rechenu, that God you're talking about made us stink in the eyes of Pharaoh. Yes. I feel like we're right now in terms of a leadership and abuse of leadership in a very similar place in our world. Which is to say that things really stink. There's a stench. There's a stench. And this has just got to be such a hard moment for Moshe, right? Who is trying to do the right and the good. And all he sees is things have gone terribly wrong. Mo Pharaoh has doubled down, right? Not only did they like propagate the lie of why the Israelites should be enslaved, but Pharaoh has made it twice as bad. Right. Now they have to make their own bricks in addition to building those pyramids or whatever it was, those cities, Pitom and Ramses. Yeah. So the question is, where do they go from here? Um, there has to be a moment of waking up. There has to be a moment of rising up, of revolution, of the kind of raising of consciousness that's going to change everything. So uh, let's take ourselves to another track. This is Yishai Rebo talking about Ben Adam, Malachan Yerdam, human being, why are you sleeping? Get up. It's actually belongs to the high holidays. But both Bossy and I really feel like this week it belongs here.
Love, love that song. I think we're going to bring that melody to um, high holidays at Roman Brooklyn this year. It's 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 calling to me right now. Asya, get that guy on the podcast. That's Yishai Rebo, the Israeli musician. Oh my God. Okay. Well, I'll I'll start looking right after. Just we... let him know that it's a Shabbat podcast. He's Orthodox. I'm sure he'll appreciate. It. <laughs> Oh, man. So, so you know, what's happening now is that God um, is introducing God's self as Adonai in this, uh, in this Parsha. For the first time, really. Yeah. He's deploying himself as Adonai. He's saying, I am Adonai, not the same God that your ancestors um, of your, of Ad- uh, Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, I am now coming with this different quality in this different name. And I'm really thinking a lot about names and the quality of the name and the and and a purpose that comes with name. That's so interesting. Is there um, what's bringing that up for you? Um, it's interesting. I was just you were just calling me up for the Torah for the first time in a very long time this last Shabbat, because it was um, Exodus Shabbat of Pharaoh's daughter, and and I asked you to call me up as Basia Peril. And I'm, it just reminded me of a time when I first started trying to have Sadia, it wasn't working. And then I saw a Kabbalist. And I said to the Kabbalist, I said, I, I, I don't know what to do. I don't, I need to, I need to try something. He says, well, what's your, what's your full name? He said, I said, Basia Peril Schachter. He said, Basia Peril. Oh my gosh. Uh, Chaval. I mean, like not Chaval. It's like beautiful name, but it's everything is in the, your, your name is too ethereal. It's too mystical. It doesn't ground you. We're going to add a different name. You're going to be Basia Tova for the rest of your pregnancy. I mean, for the rest of your, the rest of your journey, you're going to be called Basia for the rest of your journey to have a child because you need to ground yourself in something earthy. And Tova is good. It's earth. It's what, it's what God said every time he created something on the earth and in the heavens. So what was it like to, to live with a new name? It felt like I, I was bringing a new character, a new quality, something that was calling in something that I didn't have before. And, you know, and sometime later I got pregnant and I feel like God in this Parsha is bringing a different quality also and bringing something. I mean, the Mida of compassion of Rachamim is associated with Adonai. Yeah. So when we see Elohim in the Torah, we usually think of it as being the, the Mida, the virtue of, of justice. Um, but here it, it's what I, I honestly, first of all, that story is just so beautiful. And um, I don't even want to move on to the Parsha without giving it its due. We'll take a breath. 
yeah, that's what I do a, every time I, I every time I need to make a transition. Yeah. I'm like, let's take a breath. Let's take so, a breath. Yeah, think on the podcast, wherever you are Renewal in the world. Yeah. <laughs> take a breath. Works. Um, but what one of the things that's always confused me is that why is it that God evokes the meta of compassion here and now in the Parsha? It, it, it seems, at least on the face, that what we're, what we're searching for is justice. And yet, then it's the name Adonai that shows up. I think it's because um, God for 400 years during slavery has not been with Israel from the end of Genesis to the beginning of Shemot. It's 400 years and we don't hear God's name at all. And so even though like the Israelites cry out and God suddenly says, okay, I'm going to, I have this new path. I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. I'm with you. He's got to be with them in suffering. So in some ways the suffering has to elongate a little bit more so that God can be with us and really feel into what's happening with us. So the word compassion means to feel with. And so what you're saying here is that this is the moment in which God is with us. With us, coming closer to us. Yeah. Yeah. When Israel was exiled, the Shekhinah was exiled with Israel, teaches the Midrash. So I'm hearing that. Yes. I'm hearing a profound moment. Um, and what I'd like to do is to actually hear a friend of the podcast, extraordinary, extraordinary musician and teacher. We are incredibly grateful to have Bati Levine here to sing a track off her new album, Karov. Karov I am better. 
I mean, like it's like it grabs you by the heart and just pulls. <laughs> wow. Stunning. Beautiful. Well, we're so happy to welcome you um, to the podcast, Batya. Thank you. It's so good to be here. You know, the song just feels really of the moment somehow. Mm-hmm. I wonder with everything that's going on, how it's speaking to you. Yeah, I, I really, I do resonate with this song these days. Um, I mean, the words, Karov Hashem l'chol karav l'chol Um to me, uh, they, they translate generally as Hashem, spirit, existence, whatever it is that you call that big presence um, is close to those who call out from their truth, from a place of truth with truth or realness. Um, There's a lot of ways to read it. And I, this song to me is about the being withness that happens when we call out when we're yearning for um, a better world or for closeness or for um, comfort there it feels really connected um, to to me to the concept of Dvekas this like cleaving and yearning for one I mean it's sound there's like the sound of the Dvekas niggin I assume can only assume that was intentional yeah I think it's just like it's inevitable <laughs> um, <laughs> because to me, this, this, this liturgy is about like, it's like, why are we so obsessed with Dvekas, with yearning as Jews? Um, it's in our tradition in so many ways. Um, and I think it's like, there's a presence and a closeness that comes with yearning um, for closeness. And it's kind of like a whisper of being with that feels like really important medicine for, for me for right now. Yeah. Um, I have a question. Um, I love this song and this prayer because it really works as a nigun and it all really works with the words. And I'm wondering if there's something that happens differently for you when you're singing it with the words and when you're singing it as any good. Mm. Yeah, uh, I love that question. <laughs> um, it actually first came without words. And I think that's part of why it works as any good. And, um, and a dear friend of mine, was uh, going through a really hard um, period of grief. And this song kind of came in connection with that. And I asked them uh, if they had, if they thought what words they thought could go there. And um, they came up with that line and it fit, it just fit everything perfectly um yeah so it was born with and without <laughs> um one last question because it, it, it that makes yeah. so much sense and it really it really um expands the experience of the listener to hear the story not that we need that yeah. because we put our own stories into music when we become part of when we develop that relationship as listeners but the last question i have is um in the performance and the of the recording that you did with um rising song hadar and the ensemble and the incredible power that you had like maybe just speak a few words um of that experience and how that and how mm-hmm. how did that feel and what did where did it bring that piece of music yeah yeah i mean um 
working with the with Joey on this piece with the guitar was really powerful for me. Um, the chords that he put to it just I felt like added this texture in a really affirming way to the song and and um, in that recording. We did. We recorded for three days live, and then ended it all with these video sessions um, with community. And this was uh, the second song that I sang, and I was really nervous. Um, and the recording that's on the album is the only recording on the album that's the audio from that session. And it's because I actually like really needed the song. Um, and so I sang into it and I like needed some closeness and strength and comfort. And so there's this other take that's like, I sound like much quote unquote better. Like my voice is stronger and clearer and I hit all the notes. And this one that's on the album was actually like, I, the song was being used and sung, uh, in a real way that, um, was powerful to hear, to listen back to. Bhatti, do you think of this as um as a Shabbos song? Hmm. Like, does it exist in a certain place in Jewish time for you? Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because the liturgy comes from Ashrei, which uh, Psalm one forty five, which is sung all the time. Um, I don't know that it exists in Jewish time. To me, it exists in the personal Jewish time, so times of grief and pain. Um, and times of yearning. And there's definitely a tradition of that on Shabbos too. Um, one of my favorite Jewish songs, Yach Sof, is a song that is yearning for Shabbos and you sing it on Friday night, right? When Shabbos is starting. Um, so I think, I think there's, there's space to yearn, uh, for, for yearning and closeness on Shabbat, for sure. I want to sing Yach Sof with you one day. Oh my God, please. Yes. <laughs> I think I just want to be there. <laughs> yeah, you want to sing with us. Oh, I love it. You know, it's crazy. You know, I'm like trying to finish this ridiculous grad school paper, which just goes on and on and on, but it's on Shabbos. Hmm. And like, there's this one piece of the Slonimer that like talks about um, that Shabbat is kulo like kulo or like kulo or and kulo tov and like all this stuff, um, all light and all goodness and all the stuff we associate with Shabbos. Um, but you can tell that he's like in a place of real pain where he's like, and what it does is it protects a person from the travails of the world. Like in the middle of exile, like Shabbos is the only respite. And I just, I'm like, I feel so, I don't know that any of this is, I don't think this is going to make it onto the podcast, but like, I just so, I feel so deeply in Gallus right now. Yeah. Um, I think that's where this song is speaking to me. Yeah, me too. I I really do feel in Gallus and um, yeah. And I think yearning for closeness is like basically what I do all the time these days. <laughs> And yeah, there's sometimes that that yearning, there's sometimes that the pain of the yearning can feel good. And there's sometimes where it just like feels horrible and like, that's just real. <laughs> and yeah, sometimes, yeah, I feel like this song can be medicine for that. And sometimes also it's like too much um, in some ways to feel it all the time. You know, sometimes, you know how when you're feeling something really difficult or stinging and then you put on a song that like articulates that emotion and you just like actually play it like four hours straight. You just want to be in it for yes. crazy reason. You're like, I want to torture myself. So, <laughs> so you're like, yeah. Alexa, put that song on. Like for me, that was like a few weeks ago. It was this like, uh, Alexa just responding to me. <laughs> 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 it was Mentira on repeat by Chow. It was, I don't know. And it's, you know, it's going to start playing, I think, now because it's because basically my relationship with Alexa has become very intimate and very close. <laughs> it feels a little codependent. <laughs> she answers when you call. The one thing I wanted to say, maybe um, 
it's a it's a little bit of a departure from what we were going to do, but it's, in some ways, I'm curious for the listeners to hear the full version after this journey of hearing you sing it so intimately and so so stripped down and then to have the conversation of the song and then to hear what happened in that moment when something came through you feels like something I think that the listener would really be interested in hearing. So I think we might do that. Yeah. <laughs> then let's do just that. This is Batya Levine and Rising Song Records, her Karov.
I really feel like I've done our friend Anna Howe now a huge injustice because she's actually going to teach us about cholent this week, which is the Ashkenazi dish that's um, enjoyed from the pot on Shabbat afternoons. And then sends you to the pot. And then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> did we put this in the podcast? I don't know. All right, I'm call- no. Before this gets any worse, I'm calling her now. <laughs> Hello. Anna Hanau. That's me. Hi, uh, it's Rabbi Scott. I'm here How's with Basia. Hello, Anna. Hi, guys. Hello. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> wow. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah. It like, feels, I don't know, okay. I just had this moment of like m- really missing being with everyone in person. This just feels like an Isabella Friedman kind of conversation that we should be having. Yeah. I actually just found a picture of our kids swinging on the swings at Isabella Friedman this uh, morning. I'm not like dingy, decrepit, like sprinter prone, prone, you know, very, very unsafe, <laughs> beloved playground. Exactly. Like, he had oh. a ton of sprinters, splinters from that, and now I really miss it. Yeah, yeah I miss it too. <laughs> All right, Anna. So uh, we came to the expert. Um, we want to know about how to make chillin'. Want to know how to make cholent? I mean, everyone well, kind of knows how to make cholent, but making it well is a real art. <laughs> well, the secret to good cholent. Are you ready? Like, ready? This is it. This is the secret to good cholent. Okay, wait. I'm getting my pen. Hold on. You know, we're what? recording this on a podcast. You could just go back to the yeah, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, put as much meat in there as you can Uh. Um, and and I will not say just any meat it's got to be fatty the lean meat it has to do and I'm not a scientist but meat is protein is texture is fibers and all kinds of stuff and too much um, cooking they break down too much and all the liquid that's inside comes out into your chillant, so you get a very flavorful liquid and like dry pieces of eh, which is sort of like just the protein and nothing else. Um, whereas like that's why the more marbled cuts, the tougher cuts, the cuts that have the connective tissue and the collagen and the different things, those don't, um, you know, those actually stay, they break down to become juicy, you know, or or creamy almost in a, in a slow cook, but they also help to keep that moisture in the meat. So that's why you'll see people using flunkin or, you know, bones or chuck, you know, some of the more like just sort of like you wouldn't grill this meat, you know, and eat it um, rare. <laughs> I want to make a plug for your challenge meat, actually, for Grow and Behold flunkin. I've um, literally the last few months I've been using Grow and Behold Flanken in particular, and it has been the best challenge ever. In fact, I even brought some to Rabbi Scott's house when we were leading services together. Yeah, it was and incredible. We were- oh, by the way, Grow and Behold is not writing us a check for this episode yet, at least. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a member. <laughs> no, but it was, it was amazing. Uh, awesome. you guys awesome. so so you so so basically the marble yeah, cuts we've been um we've been doing kiddish outdoors with some friends in the park and mm. and we've had challenge a few weeks and it's like very nice to be having warm warm deliciousness uh you know especially right now now one of the things that i actually made for my birthday last year wow this is just an extended infomercial for grow and behold uh, i made uh, grow and behold beef ribs in a slow cooker and one of the things i did is that i i grill i i did um brown them and then i also poured off the fat from them before shabbos came in um so that they could because one of the things that really gets me about cholent is when it's too heavy so any advice for making yeah. a cholent that isn't uh like a bomb on your stomach um, no, I think the point of Cholin is like the stomach bomb and then the nap, right? Like that's what it is. Um, <laughs> I don't know. The truth is, so Cholin is like a nuclear is, weapon. You know, we 
What's that? Cholin is like a nuclear, it's like the nuclear well, I, weapon I was, of cooking. Yeah. Um, and I was going to say, like, the whole question of liquid is really important to get right. And depending on how many, how much beans or rice or other grains you're going to add, you want to make sure you have enough liquid. But um, lately, I've, um, it's not my recipe, but I've pulled it and I'm forgetting the chef's name, but you can basically blow cook um, beef with nothing but a pile, like piles and piles of thinly sliced onions on it. Mm. And the moisture from the onions and the moisture from the beef is like enough Mm. to just let it just become tender and caramelized and perfect without it being too soupy and too gross um, or just sort of watery. So that's another, like, if you're looking for like a chillin, you know, side swipe um you know you can do beans and rice sort of as a separate thing and then you could just focus on like a really slow cooked um you know meat and onions and nothing else and it's pretty tasty maybe a little wine or something but but really minimal on the added liquid that sounds amazing and I'm with you, Anna. I cannot tell you how much I am. Like for me, it's like medicine. It's like you eat the chalent and the nap is never better than after a chalent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, in my family, we've got little kids. So we have a pretty strict, like I sleep in in the morning because I usually get up early with the kids. But then, you know, Naf takes the afternoon nap. Um, so I don't, I can't speak to that firsthand, but he definitely um, has a good nap. You got to moderate. You have to moderate the chillant intake, and yeah, yeah. I have just one question for you, also on a Torah level. Um, do you think like a chillant is a good metaphor for something Torah related, especially now as we enter like the plagues? Not that they're connected to plagues, but like just as like Pharaoh. Is there some kind of something? Wow. I've just that's your question. <laughs> Plagues and Pharaoh and Cholent. Oh yeah, yoy. You gave her like, wow. Um, that's. Let's see. <laughs> if you can come up with anything, I'll be impressed. Yeah. Um, I think Cholent is more of a stone soup metaphor, right? Like you know, whatever you got, you put it in, and with sort of enough time, it becomes something delicious. Mm. Um definitely like more than the sum of its parts you're taking things that are not maybe the tastiest all on their own but um the sort of slow alchemy of cooking is uh, is where the magic comes from um i mean the other thing i don't know that this is torah but like we just we have too much food in this country like everybody has too much food and we have a constant like glut in my instagram feed of like make this make this make this like Find this. I mean, I'm a foodie. I'm like, I'm a farmer. I want to know where the food came from. Like, I, I, I'm in it. But at the same time, it's like, it's exhausting the amount of pressure that we put on our food. And therefore, I think that we end up consuming just sort of way too much because we know all these things, you know, all the providence. And um, there's something about a chola that's like, the chillin is good, but it's really about the community. It's really, you're only going to make a chillin if there's a lot of people around your table or if you're, you know, you're feeding a lot of people. And, um, cause I don't think leftover chillin is very tasty. Um, but there's something about like, yes, the chillin should be good, but the chillin's really not the point, you know, and that's okay. Um, we can, we can like set down our, I'm not being very eloquent, I guess, but um, I like it. I love it. I love what you're saying. I love it. It's like, and it's also like, we're so, I mean, you are getting to do a little bit of it in the park every Chavez, but I have to say the last time that we met as a community at Romamu Brooklyn was at our annual Chalent Shabbat. Mm. That was yeah. the last time we were all together and it was, and it's, and we never have as many people come to Shabbat services at Romamu Brooklyn as on that Shabbat. As Everybody that Shabbat, comes out yeah, of the woodwork. It was packed. It was packed. Oh, and, the, it and was the more, packed. I mean, you know, there's food. People stick around, and then you can schmooze, and then you can talk. You know, it's 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 really nice. Something for me to look forward to. Wow, I can't wait. I can't wait till we get back together <laughs> and eat too much chillin' and then I'll pass out. I need too much chillin' and all that good stuff. Yeah, I love it. I love I love the wisdom. I love the. 
Anna, thank you for coming on the show. I said, I love, I love like the secret that you gave us. And I love the wisdom that you gave us around like, like the deeper meaning of Tullet. Wow. (laughs) Things I didn't expect when we were going to start recording today. It's my pleasure. And I think that it is definitely something uh, we can continue to probe together in person one day, you know, may it be so. Amazing. All right, here's the probing Cholent. Is that the is that the right verb for what you do with Cholent? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Maybe there's a magic eye. You remember those posters where you like unfocus your eyes and it could be like a pot of Cholent and like the answer would be right there. That I mean, mind blown. Think about, think about that one. <laughs> <laughs> Anna, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. All Best right, to you, guys. to Naf, right. to everyone. <laughs> Bye. Shabbat shalom. Bye. Shabbat shalom. Well, that was some Cholent song, Vasya. I've never heard anything quite like that in my entire life. Um, I actually have heard that song, and I've actually sung that song and danced to that song. And, uh, yeah. That's I mean, your, your holiness is just much deeper than mine, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> the Cholent song. Yes. Somehow or another, it's, it's also... Uh, it's also Martin Luther King Day this week or this upcoming week. It is. It is this coming week. Yeah, yes, Monday. And I think in these times, you know, I think Martin Luther King um, weekend day means something different every year because I think we're in such a different place every year around like our our current events. And I think this year it has a very powerful message. What do you think you would have said this year? I'm still dreaming. And and I think also acknowledging that he's starting to see things crumble, like the old systems are crumbling. There's something crumbling. And we can't and we can't uh and we, and there's there, there's some way in which which I think and I say this every year maybe, but I think that this year I think more than other years we're moving into a new place. Hmm. I mean, I hope that's the case. You know, one of the things he says in the last speech that he ever gave was that um, was that he had actually a secret knowledge. You know, they um, Bull Connor, toes of uh, the the infamous police chief in Birmingham, turns the fire hoses on, and he says, "You know, Bull Connor didn't know history, right? He didn't know that there was a certain kind of fire that no water could put out." And when all of these protesters went before the fire hoses. What Kung says is we had known water. You know, what he's speaking about is a baptism by fire hydrant. It's, it's a remarkable, it's a remarkable image, right? And it's something that um, speaks to a profundity of faith, a strength of faith that I'm not sure that I always feel. He seems so much braver than I sometimes feel. You know, and I think sometimes, you know, one, in one of the speeches he mentioned, I think it was the Birmingham letters, that justice delayed is justice denied. And there's like, there, there are ways to look at that, you know. Is that really true? Then if, if justice finally comes, does it erase all those years? Or does it really just acknowledge that there was just so much time in which things were not 
equal and not just, and that is just lost. And like, it was just denied. So things can change, but we, it's really like it, the, 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 um, it's important. It's now. So we don't have time to waste anymore. Yeah. It's like, you know, so you're saying 400 years in the desert still came to this moment, you know, where you had to act. Well, I hear it. I hear it and I say it. And, and one of the things that I want to say about this Parsha is that, um, is that this is the place and time in which God reveals the special name of God, the yud Vadve, Shem Havaya, um, to Moshe. And, um, and it always gets mistranslated in every text you'll ever see it as the Lord. But really, yud Vavhe means being. And so what I think of when God says to Moshe, Ani Havaya, I am Havaya, what God is saying is, I'm here. I'm with you. And in the moment of Moshe's maximum fear and doubt, who shows up as being next to him, but the creator of heaven and earth. And I, th I think a more profound statement of faith can't be made. Amen. Amen. You out there in podcast world are looking at the way that this country is going. And like me, I'm sure for many of you, there's fear deep in your heart. And you don't know what to do. Right. Do you double down politically in one way or back off politically in another? Do you pursue, you know, impeachment or move off impeachment? You know, do you um, pray for unity or do you pray for justice? And I think I want to say most of all is. Even though this is a time of fear, I want you to remember not to be afraid because Havaya is with you. Havaya is with us. And on such a profound sense, Havaya is always on the side of justice. And I know that there are complete, competing claims of justice, this side saying I'm right, this side saying I'm right, but deep down, the justice justice and the truth are allied one to the other. So the blessing that I want to give you is if you're fighting for truth, if you're fighting for peace, if you're fighting for equality and inclusion, if you're fighting for safety, if you're fighting for the voices of other people besides yours, if you're fighting for the voices of the desperate and the situation of the downtrodden, then Havaya is with you. Yah is with you. My blessing to you is that you look over to your side and that you see really Shochein Ad Marom next to you, that you see the one who dwells eternal with you um, and that you not be afraid in this. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. All right. Shabbat blessings. Go down the Moses way down in Egypt land. Tell
All right, so we should make brachas? Yeah, I think, I don't know, some of you are going to be listening on Friday as Shabbat is coming in. Some of you are listening on Shabbat day when Shabbat is already here. Some of you might be listening on Sunday when you actually have a moment and Shabbat is over. But either way, blessings are really always welcome. So please join us. Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kitshanu B'mitzvotav V'tzivanu L'hadlik Ne'er Shel Shabbat Amen. Grab a cup. Fill it up with wine or grape juice. Seltzer. Seltzer. I mean, if you're not using the seltzer for the matzo balls, then... Use it for the kiddush. kiddush. (laughs) Grab a cup, fill it up with wine or with grape juice, and especially blessings. Lift it up with us. Hold it in your hand, fingers together, as we should all be unified in our hearts and our souls. And here's the blessing over kiddush. Baruch atadunai Eloheinu melech haolam. Borei priyagafen. Amen. Baruch atadonai Eloheinu melech haolam. Asher kiddishanu b'mitzvotav eratzavanu. V'shabbat kodesho be'avav ratzon inchilanu. Zikaron lemaaseh v'reishit. Ki hu yom techila lemikrae kodesh. Zecher letziyad mitraim. Ki vanu v'acharta. Yotanu kidashta mikol haamim, Vishabat kochecha, Beahava uvratzon hinchaltanu, Baruchata Adonai, Mekadesh hashabat. Amen. Baruchata Adonai. Eloheinu ruach haolam, hamotzi lechem in haaretz. Good Shabbos, 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 good Shabbos.